stop looking at other SaaS companies, stop looking only, uh, don't stop looking, but stop focusing on other SaaS companies and stop focusing on your direct competitors. Look in other industries, look in e-commerce, look in streetwear, in music, in gaming, look at what Twitch is doing, like study other things. And you're like, oh my God, nobody in SaaS is doing that. We could do that and we'll be the first. And like, you know, that first mover advantage is huge a lot of times. We all strive for more nowadays, more traffic, more revenue, more growth. In this never-ending battle for more, it's easy to forget what's important. So what is important? Building real relationships with real humans and trying to be better each day without caring quite so much about getting more. After all, by building real and meaningful relationships, you'll have way more than you ever need. The SaaS SEO Show is a platform for meaningful connections and honest conversations with people who are real, hardworking practitioners and high performers in the SaaS industry. We're here to learn and get inspired by them, and we hope you do too. Now, here's your host, George Cassiotis. Before we jump into today's episode, I'd like to give a quick shout out to the sponsor for this episode, Ahrefs. Ahrefs provides you with an all-in-one SEO toolset that does everything from rank tracking to backlink analysis, keyword research, and technical audits. The best part, you can now use Ahrefs Webmaster Tools for free to identify and prioritize optimization opportunities for your website, see all the keywords that your web pages are ranking for, take a close look at the websites that link back to and refer you in their content, and analyze other websites to find out what drives their rankings. Visit ahrefs.com AWT and sign up for free. And now, back to today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the SaaS SEO So I'm your host, George Cassiotis, and today I'm very happy to be joined by Brandon Hafford. I'm sure that you already know him, but I will have to make the introductions either way. So Brandon having, uh, has led and scaled growth teams uh, at two agencies, uh, and during that time, he has... Uh, realized that most of the clients uh, they were working with didn't want or need uh, a six to 12 month uh, marketing engagement. Uh, Brendan knew that there was a better way, so he created a four part SaaS growth framework for which we are going to talk obviously today, uh, along many other interesting things. Um, Brendan, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, I'm really excited. So, uh, before we get started, uh, could you please share a couple of things about you, how you get started, uh, what brought you to where you are today uh, for people who uh, may haven't seen uh, one of your uh, infamous LinkedIn posts? Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, already. yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, I, I, have, uh, I was talking to somebody this morning and they said they were an engineer before they were a marketer. And I think that's the case for a lot of people in marketing. There was something else before. Uh, I actually got my start in teaching because we let 18-year-olds decide what they want to do with their lives. And at 18, I thought I'd like to be a teacher. And I did that for 10 years, actually, and uh, tried to you know, climb the ladder there, became an assistant principal. I got my master's degree in educational leadership, um, really thought that was my future. And at some point, right after my first son, I have four boys, uh, right after my first son was born, I took a look at myself in the mirror and I didn't recognize who I saw. You know, I'd been really tried to push in my career in education. I'd been rewarded with 25 extra pounds around my midsection, um, a really unhealthy relationship with alcohol, 
uh, Sunday night panic attacks, like all of those things were a part of my life. And I was like, this has to change. So I actually took a step back and not a lot of people do this. I've done this multiple times in my career where I've climbed a ladder, realized it's leaned up against the wrong wall, taken a couple steps back, leaned the ladder against a different wall and started to climb again. Um, so I took a step back. I left my leadership role, went back to being a teacher in a different school. And two years into that, uh, I decided to go into marketing full-time. So I'd been building things on the side, websites, blogs, an e-commerce company. I sold all of those, uh, which was great. That was extra money. When you say like you sold stuff, people think you have like Zuckerberg money or uh, giraffe money or something. You know what I mean? Like you can, <laughs> you can afford a giraffe. Uh, but you know, really we just put new tile in the bathroom. It wasn't for a lot of money, but it was nice to sell those things because then I could focus on my new marketing career full-time. Uh, became the SEO director at two different agencies uh, that brought me to doing growth marketing at Active Campaign, and on the side the whole time I couldn't shake this teacher kind of foundation that I had. So I built SEO for the rest of us, launched a successful podcast on SEO, built this community around SEO, um, and that kind of all led to me doing my own thing and running my own consultancy agency, whatever we want to call it, at Growth Sprints, uh, and that's kind of why we're talking today. Okay. First of all, thank you very much for, for saying all this. Uh, really, really interesting and uh, glad to know about your background. I knew some things, but uh, obviously I didn't know the, 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 the full story. Um, could you please share a couple of things about Growth Sprints? Uh, growth Sprints what um, what you know, Growth Sprints is? And um, I would say, who gets the most value out of the, the, the service nowadays? Yeah, that's a great question. So Growth Sprints is... Uh, Really an ideal, uh, our ideal customer, our ideal client that we work with is a SaaS or software company who's doing around $10 million in annual recurring revenue and looking to scale that up to $100 million plus. Um, what I find, it's not really about the revenue, uh, who gets the most value, but it's people who can execute on the things that we need to do to get there. Um, most of my framework is around content. I have the utmost respect for uh, technical SEO. I've worked at agencies where we really prided ourselves on our 3,000-point technical audits and everything. And we would give clients these monolithic just spreadsheets of all the technical fixes they needed to make. Um, and, you know, I, I had enough really smart CMOs and VPs of marketing go, yeah, this is about 200 dev hours. If I have devs work on this for 200 hours, what's the ROI going to be? And we had no answer. And what I came to realize is that 99% of SaaS and software companies do not need technical SEO help outside of the basics, right? Is your website fast? Um, are we not burying pages on the website? And then, you know, little things like, is the site secure? We're 99% we're of the way there at some point. Most of these companies don't need to know what their gzip file does. Like, I don't even know what that is, uh, but it's a thing we audited. So my point is like, and I always get like the, on LinkedIn, whenever I say something like that, all the technical bros come out um, and are like, yeah, but you can't, content doesn't matter if the website can't be crawled. And it's like, yeah, but 99% of the websites can be crawled just fine. Like it's not a thing they need. So my ideal client is, uh, and the people that get the most out of growth friends are people who can deploy content, who have writers and subject matter experts and have a good system for that already. There are a number of clients that I help vet writers. They're like, we don't have any writing resources, but we really want to work with you. Will you help us find and vet some good writers? I do that quite a bit. Um, 
but those are the people that get the most out of the work that I do in terms of driving new customers, whether they're um, a high ticket type of, you know, have a high ticket type of product or they're a low ticket or product led growth uh, or anything else. Love the hat you have in the background there. Um, you know, whatever we want to call that, uh, it doesn't matter. Um, as long as they can create content at scale, uh, they usually find a lot of success. You have worked with agencies and you, you led uh, the SEO uh, efforts at two different agencies. And obviously everyone has their own opinions as to uh, managed uh, SEO services. But like, I would like to hear your thoughts as to if you think that there is something wrong with uh, how most agencies, uh, SEO agencies approach managed SEO uh, nowadays, um, especially considering that you have... Um, experience with agencies. Now you run your own uh, consultancy um, and uh, you have seen both worlds. And obviously I would like to know your thoughts on, on this topic. Yeah. So that's where a lot of our growth sprints came from. This idea of working in marketing sprints. It's how a lot of SaaS and software companies work internally. So it works alongside that in parallel where I realized that the traditional agency model was broken. It completely favored the agency and not the client. So the SaaS and software companies were basically get asking to get married on the first, you know, that we were asking them to, to marry us on the first date, six or 12 month contract. And we're going to try to renew you forever. Now, first of all, that's really hard uh, leading the teams, the SEO teams at these agencies. It was really hard on my team because on a long enough timeline, every single client you have will fire you. And I remember realizing that on a train ride home one day, every single client I have in my whole life is going to fire me. And that broke my little marketer heart. I was just like, that sucks. Like, that's terrible. But we're not going to be able like, what's the goal of working in an agency? Renew a client forever? Like that's, and what are you even doing? If you've renewed a client for three years, unless that company has like 10x in size or something, what are you even doing at that point? You're just probably just trying to look busy. And that's what most marketing engagements are uh, when you work with an agency. Uh, in, in a lot of cases, they're going to front load all the work. And really what they're doing is doing most of the work in the first two to three months and then spreading out your payments and trying to look busy. In an SEO world, they're tweaking keywords and like we changed a heading on this page this month and like whatever. Again, just like try or they're dripping out content briefs like three per, mo per month forever. Um, I decided to throw that out the window. Uh, I like to work in sprints. Most of my engagements are two to three months long at most. And I don't, people are like, yeah, but we want a retainer. We want that peace of mind. Cool. We can talk about that, but I don't currently work with anybody in that fashion. Cause they, they realize after working with me that they don't, they don't necessarily need that. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with the retainer model. I think some agencies do it really, really well, but all the agencies that I know that do retainers well in the SaaS world, um, are charging 15 to 25K per month, which is a large investment for most companies. Um, and, you know, even the biggest, you know, if you're $100 million plus, like that's still a lot to spend on an agency. Uh, so I think like that's the biggest piece is that they just, you know, you either drip out everything every single month and it's just not a great relationship either. Like, let's be honest, we, I love doing sprints because we finish a sprint and me and the client like double high five and they're like, yeah, we did it. We cross a finish line together and then we start the next race. It's just a better relationship cadence. It's a lot more fun to work on. Um, and it's like I said, in the end, the results kind of speak for themselves. Yeah, I, I guess what you're saying make, makes sense because when the, 
when there is a, a finish line, I see it uh, in our engagements as well, even though obviously, you know, we, we have employees, like we, we, we have uh, expenses that uh, run every month. So we want to retain clients. But on the other hand, like when we finish with an engagement, we, we have finished the project, you know, that's it. Like you feel a relief. Uh, you feel an, a, a sense of accomplishment, which is something that I really like. Um, now, let's, let's pose the question a bit differently. We, we discussed what agencies, um, let's say, not don't get wrong, don't get right, but uh, I would say uh, maybe it doesn't work so well for, uh, um, for uh, the, the companies. Uh, I would like to know, in your opinion, what companies now uh, approach in not the right way when it comes to, to SEO, SaaS companies uh, more specifically. Yeah, I don't, I don't have a criticism of anybody trying to invest in SEO. The first mistake that a lot, I see a lot of them make, though, is they're trying to dabble. They're trying to just like do articles and they're like, we're just, you know, we're doing it because they feel like they should and they've been shoulded into it. And they, they take their eye off of um, revenue and things like that. And they're like, well, we're doing the basics for SEO. We're making our little uh, Yoast light green in our WordPress install. And so we're doing SEO and that's totally fine. Um, but SEO, unlike a lot of other types of marketing, is a zero-sum game, right? Either you rank first or I rank first. And we're, one of us is getting more clicks. Um, and that is, it makes it extremely competitive because if you're, you, either you're winning or your competitors are, or some aggregator site is winning, right? A G2 or a Capterra or whoever. So that's a very, very big deal. You can't, uh, I think gone are the days of being able to like make a light investment. That's a very uh, SaaS model to be like, we're going to make a small investment. And if it pays off, we'll make a bigger investment. That's not how SEO and content marketing work. You can't just do a little bit and dabble and think that all of a sudden you're going to have a breakthrough. And also that logic doesn't work, right? If you could make a thousand dollar investment per month and it pays off huge, why would you then raise it a lot of times? And I know that like people think like, yes, of course I would. Good VPs, good CMOs do those sorts of things. But a lot of marketers don't. They just, well, hey, we're getting a great ROI. So let's just keep it where it is. Um, I think the second piece is the other flip side of that. So either they're not investing enough or they've invested too much and they've gotten addicted to traffic, right? Their traffic numbers, if you look, and you can see this looking in an Ahrefs or a SEMrush or whatever, uh, look at their top pages. And you're like, these are the top traffic pages for this software company and nine out of 10 of those do not drive customers, right? Add active campaign, top blog posts. What is an SDR? Company slogans, validity and research, and then like one other one. None of those drive customers. And when the traffic tanks to those pages, it's a big fire drill. Everybody freaks out. Everybody's like, we got to get the traffic back. We got to get our traffic up. Traffic has to go up every single quarter forever. Problem is traffic is not, you know, page views are not pipeline. And when you take your eye off the ball and you become addicted to the traffic or addicted to um, a insane amount of free trials or MQLs, and you're not willing to take a step back and think, how do we get more qualified leads? Maybe less free trials is the answer. Maybe that means, and I know this is a hard thing to think about because I've thought this scenario all the way through and even been a part of it. A lot of times less free trials and less MQLs means you don't need as big of a sales team. So sometimes that means restructuring your business and having a smaller sales team, which means laying people off. And those are humans with jobs and families and stuff. And that's a hard decision to make. Um, but keeping everybody at their desk and busy shouldn't be the goal. 
right? Uh, or headcount should not be the goal. So I think both of those two things, either not investing enough or getting too addicted to traffic or low quality leads um, are both well-meaning mistakes. So again, I said like no judgment, those are well-meaning mistakes. And I think the answer is, is something quite different. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, I don't know, for some reason, we've, we've always been so focused on, on traffic, like traffic alone means something. I know it, it makes us feel well about ourselves, like we, we achieved something. But at the end of the day, if traffic doesn't uh, result into business uh, revenue generated, what's the point? I mean, it, it doesn't make, sense, make any sense. Now, one thing that we discuss with many guests, uh, we've discussed with many guests, guests at the SaaS SEO show is uh, commoditization when it comes to SaaS. And I would like to hear your thoughts uh, when it comes to um, SaaS moving toward uh, commoditization, uh, specifically from the uh, standpoint of a con strategy. Um, do you think that, first of all, do you think that this is actually what, where things are going? Uh, and if yes, um, what can companies do to fight back uh, against commoditization and possibly uh, stand out and you know, don't look like every other SaaS company in their category? Yeah, I think commoditization comes from two strategies. Number one, they're either they're tracking their competitors and they're trying to write the stuff their competitors write, uh, or they're uh, looking at what HubSpot did and they're like, we we can do we can be HubSpot. We'll track that and do whatever. And um, HubSpot came up in a very different world SEO world than exists right now. It was extremely different. Um, and trying to say like, well, when HubSpot was at year four we're ahead in our year four of where they were in their year four. So technically, blah, blah, blah. It's a different planet. Um, so I think looking at competitors or trying to track against some other like big company that you look up to uh, is absolutely a mistake. Or they're just hopping into the keyword research tools and they're like, we want to write about email marketing. So they click the uh, related keywords and they're like, here's everything related to email marketing. We're just going to write about all of those things, all those keywords. And I remember again, this is, I've gotten a chance to work with some really smart CMOs. Um, and one CMO said to me one time, she, she looked at a presentation we were giving and she goes, this literally looks like a keyword export. And you sorted the columns for most traffic volume and least keyword difficulty. Is that it? Is that all you're showing us today? And my young market, this was years and years ago, my young marketer brain was like, oh crap, that, that was what we did. That was the whole strategy. And I thought that was right. You know, it was the only playbook I knew when I was a lot younger. And I've moved so far away from that. I think a couple different things. Number one, uh, I think of it in like kind of three tiers, right? To move away from a commoditized, well, maybe four pieces. The first piece is to study other industries. Stop looking at other SaaS companies. Stop looking only, uh, don't stop looking, but stop focusing on other SaaS companies and stop focusing on your direct competitors. Look in other industries. Look in e-commerce, look in streetwear, in music, in gaming. Look at what Twitch is doing. Like study other things and you're like, oh my God, nobody in SaaS is doing that. We could do that and we'll be the first and like, you know, that first mover advantage is huge a lot of times, but study other industries. That's the first piece. Then within SEO specifically, I think about um, revenue focus. I call it revenue focused content, ignoring the keyword tools, talking to customers, talking to people who talk to customers. I call it a three S strategy. The three S's sales, success, and support teams. 
talk to those teams, find out what's coming up unprompted on calls, what questions they wish they never had to answer again. Uh, you can use like a jobs to be done framework to understand those those things that their customers need. Also, if your customers are um, using site search for anything, using things like that. And then back those into keywords a little bit. Maybe be like, is anybody Googling this? We don't really care if they are, but if they are, maybe we'll use that. But it's just one small data point. And really focus around revenue. Second piece is what I call product-led SEO, um, where we're actually kind of looking to see if we can make any parts of the product public. Product data, dashboards. Um, I've seen uh, data boxes doing this really well recently, where they're making dashboards public for all these different industries. Um, I think that's super smart. Uh, bigger examples of product-led SEO is like a G2, an Airbnb, a Trello, where you could make the boards public. Like All of those types of things where the actual product can rank for stuff is pretty uh, helpful. Content-led SEO is very straightforward. And the last one is digital PR, just creating content around things that people want to cite. So there is some pieces in it from an SEO standpoint, nobody wants to, to link to your like generic blog posts you know, anymore. They're not going to build backlinks the way they did in 2008, right? It's not, that's not how things work anymore. However, uh, the things that people do love to link to is stuff that are data points, metrics, statistics, trends. I have a whole playbook of like 15 different things. You can almost kind of play Mad Lib with it, where it's like, we take the thing this company does, add all of those modifiers, see if there's anything there. Um, and then, you know, those things build uh, what I would argue is a, a pretty strong moat around, you know, you're just continuing to get backlinks every single month. And most other competitors are either begging for them with email, right? I, I don't know if you've ever played that game. I played that game for years. It was not fun. I have the scars and spreadsheets to prove it. Asking everybody to link to me all the time, uh, doing your, your Haro helper reporter out every single day, or you're just paying for them. You're just paying 700 to $1,000 a backlink. And you're like, I guess that's what we got to do. That's the, the price to pay. Um, that's not been my experience. You know, you can set up campaigns that build hundreds of links or thousands of links from hundreds of websites in your industry that you could never ask for a link from every single year. And you, you know, you produce 50 of those articles, no competitor, no matter how much and how well-funded their SEO program is, is going to be able to overtake you if you do stuff like that. I like that. I like that approach. I'd like to shift gears a bit and discuss uh, something that I saw in one of your LinkedIn posts for, from a couple of weeks ago, maybe, uh, which was with regards to bureaucracy in bigger uh, SaaS companies. I'd, I'd like to know, first of all, you know, what do you mean exactly uh, by, by bureaucracy? And um, how can that uh, prevent the con marketing team, the SEO team, or any uh, service providers from doing their job? And at the end of the day, what SaaS companies, bigger SaaS companies, obviously, can do uh, to fight back uh, against uh, bureaucracy and launch projects, uh, pages, sections on, on, on websites, uh, take initiatives faster? Yeah, I think, so a couple different things. I think you have to create a system for this. Of If you're in a big company where product owns something, the site team owns a piece, the copy and brand team want to have inputs, um, the design team isn't going to let you design your own pages, all of these things. To, to launch a page, a big you know effort, a core page, a product page, a solutions page, whatever, um, 
to launch something like that is going to take five to six teams and a dozen people. And at any moment, a VP or CMO could swoop in and be like, that's not what we do and change it all in the last minute. Not that I've ever experienced that personally. I have. I've experienced that. Um, but like that, those scenarios happen quite a bit. And I think what you end up doing and having to become is an internal marketer. And I'll be transparent. I'm still learning this most, most days. I have spent most of my career uh, as an in-house marketer, very stifled, very like, look, I've made a great business case. We've all bought in for this. Can we just go? I've just been waiting to put the pedal down, waiting to go. And efforts that I could do in two days by myself, um, building a page out in WordPress in Elementor, it's good enough, um, you know, takes six months to get done. And then by then the strategy has changed. You know, uh, somebody in the executive team has decided we're going to go a different direction. Uh, we're going to do this instead. We're, we're not talking about um, whatever uh, whatever regular thing we were talking about before. Now we're going to create our own category. So we're going to have to change everything. Um, that happens quite a bit. And what I've found, the solution to getting through the bureaucracy is to get to build out a program that where everybody knows that marketing is going to operate in phases or versions. Phase one, phase two, V1, V2. And we are going to launch pages that are V1. They are quick. They are probably not great. And we're going to see kind of how they do. And if they work, we're going to deploy some more resources towards them. Meaning like if it, if it starts to get traction, this whole idea, so what you'll get caught up in is like designs, like we don't like how this page looks. It's like, look, nobody's seeing it. Who cares? When people start seeing it, then we can do some stuff, Right. That's the biggest piece. And I think it is when you build the adoption from your product team, your brand team, your what, like 500 different marketing teams that exist anymore, when you get the buy-in from all of them, that is really helpful. The other thing that you can do if, you know, you get the, you build out that phased approach and everybody's like adopted to it, uh, is instead of doing it as one campaign, you get that buy-in or you have a marketer who is, sits on another team. So a marketer who sits on the growth team uh, or, you know, growth means different things. Some companies growth means like I run paid ads. Some teams, it's like a product person. Um, but you have a marketer who lives on the design team or a marketer who lives on this other team. And they have a senior level uh, of authority. They're able to get stuff done. Um, that's the other solution is you have a point person who runs projects like this and the marketer can't be like this marketer is not a creative, right? A creative is going to be so stifled that they don't like, I do a lot of creative work and I do a lot of writing and I built like tons and tons of pages and all this stuff. Like I like doing that creative work. I'm not a good project manager. It drives me crazy chasing people for, to do their stuff and setting up a million Asana things. Um, it's again, why I work in sprints now with clients. Cause I like to go. Um, and I think, everybody likes to as well. That's why you hire me because you're like ready to put the pedal down. Uh, but getting through bureaucracy, it's either we have the system or we install a person whose job is this to make these big campaigns happen. Um, I worked with, I mean, I guess I can shout out Kristen LePink, who I worked with uh, at Active Campaign. She's now at Gong. 
uh, which is an amazing hire by Gong. She's wonderful. She's the best. I, I kind of said this jokingly to her a bunch of times. Like she's the best cat herder that I've ever met in my life. Like she chases everything down, stays super organized. Like she's the best campaigns person that I've ever worked with. Um, so I think you need to have a person like that to run those types of things. And that cuts through so much of the bureaucracy. If we think about it a bit differently now, and we say, okay, this is what happens in bigger companies. Um, what is your experience with smaller companies, smaller SaaS companies? And also, I would like to know nowadays whether or not you have any qualification criteria for companies that reach out to you. Well, you know what? Thank you for reaching out, but you are not at the stage uh, to invest in SEO yet. Um, is that a case? Are there any cases like that where you have to just say no because you feel that SEO is not the right thing to, uh, to do nowadays? And how do you think smaller SaaS companies should approach uh, SEO? Yeah, I think the... So uh, I don't have to turn people away because my, my positioning in the market and my offer and also like you go to fill out my form and you see what you're going to have to pay me. I, I hate that when I was my worst, my least favorite thing. I love sales, love sales. Uh, but I always hated the, you know, we have these great conversations or whatever, and they're fully bought in and they're excited and you're like, ta-da, here's the price. And they're like, oh yeah, we don't have that. And it becomes this like, oh, how much do you have? And they don't want to say, and I don't, I don't sell like that. I'm like, here's, here's the minimum price. Are you here? And if they're not there, great. I think, uh, you know, I love it when agencies do this. I love it when anybody does this, where they're like, here's even SaaS companies. Give the, if you don't want to put the price on the website, give a minimum. Don't waste your salespeople time. Put the qualifications on the page. You have to have 800 employees. You have to be using Salesforce. You, have, you know, whatever the software is. Um, I love that sort of thing. So they kind of qualify themselves, you know, disqualify themselves right away. Um, and I usually don't get those leads. Uh, but I do think, I think like this is what we talked about earlier. This is a lot of smaller companies get shoulded into SEO and they're like, oh, we really should be doing that because somebody tells them like, you know, we got to invest early and it'll grow over time. And that's just not a true thing. Like I've seen people pump out thousands of blog posts and just never get traction. And they're admittedly not great blog posts, but the other piece is that this whole idea of like you invest early and it'll just grow over time. Google will just pick you up over time. That just doesn't happen anymore, especially if you're in any sort of competitive space. And if your space as a SaaS or software company is not competitive, you should be worried because that means you're probably creating a new category and nobody really wants your thing yet. You know, you're creating a vitamin versus a painkiller. So I think that's the biggest like piece is you have to understand uh, if you're a smaller company, really where am I going to get the best traction? If you've taken on funding, those people want their money back quick. You're either expected to uh, raise another round or show like big gains or whatever your next milestone is from your investors. You have to hit that. And in a lot of cases, SEO is not the thing that's going to get you there. Um, it can be an investment you make, but if you're starting a website from scratch, I've worked with a couple companies like that. And honestly, the sprints we've focused on have not been like content led SEO. It's been revenue focused content where I go deep down and I'm like, this is not only S this will be an SEO play later. We're going to set this foundation. Uh, and if you decide to grow your site's authority, this will get traction maybe. But really that revenue focused content is sales enablement content that's uh, lead magnets. It's all these different things because it's so close to the money 
that um, those companies are able to use it for a myriad of other things uh, and see a lot of benefit from it in terms of revenue outside of the future SEO gain. Speaking of uh, competitive categories, uh, I, I've noticed that a couple of times you, you've posted um, on LinkedIn um, some lists with, uh, you know, these are some of the most competitive uh, categories in SaaS, for example. And I guess that you have worked with companies in some of these categories. I would like to hear your thoughts as to whether companies in super co- competitive categories should be doing something differently uh, than other um, mm. categories. For example, let's say that uh, a company comes to you and they are uh, operating at a category like, I don't know, CRM. Uh, it's super saturated, one of the oldest ones, and uh, with some very, very big names uh, in the category. What would you advise? And also, like, would you set expectations um, in the sense of, you know what? This is a super competitive category. This is what you should be expect to get out of this, uh, the, the efforts that we are going to um, endeavor uh, together. Yeah, I think so. I was, I was really interested when I saw some of these, uh, this data kind of come out and I shared it on LinkedIn. Um, we would all assume that like, because we live in the marketing world, our brains are like MarTech software. It must be the most competitive. I always love that. I get a kick out of when people are like, I write blogs about SEO and I rank really well for SEO terms and SEO is the most competitive industry because it's SEO about doing SEO. That's just wrong because there's not a lot of money there. The people that want to pay to learn SEO, you know, there's, it's a maybe multi-million dollar industry, hundreds of millions of dollars, but there are multiple billion and trillion dollar industries out there. Those are far more competitive, you know, things like, uh, mobile credit card processing or, you know, endpoint protection, cybersecurity, threat intelligence, like those. And I've worked with those companies and still do quite a bit. And I love that space. I love marketing to a technical audience. That's super fun. Uh, But like, those are the true, like most competitive ones. So I think a couple things, if they're a new company in the space, um, I, I wouldn't, you know, it's like, hey, look, we're a threat intelligence company. We don't have an authoritative website already. We've not, you know, brand new, blah, blah, blah. We're, we're in stealth mode or whatever, uh, which is real. I don't, I know I said that like silly, but like doing SEO in stealth mode is kind of a conundrum. Um, but like those companies should absolutely not do SEO. They should back into SEO. They should be working with other sources of influence. They should be making an SEO play, but it should be on other people's websites. Your SEO play is investing in a G2 and a Captera, harnessing that traffic, looking for the sources of influence in your industry and seeing if you can rank on their websites for things. There's a lot of different plays. So if you're brand new in those industries, that can be really challenging. The other thing is you got to be fresh. Um, you know, You asked about CRM specifically, so we can talk about that. Uh, one of my favorite companies in the world is a company called Nutshell, who I love. Uh, I don't think they're, I don't know what their revenue is, but they are not a huge company. But you go to their website and it is so refreshing that like, you know, if you've ever looked uh, at the, and I'm going to make everybody pause this episode and go do it. Uh, have you ever looked at the HubSpot pricing page? Or have you looked at it recently at all? Uh, not recently. We are a uh, customer of uh, HubSpot, but uh, not recently, Great. no. Great. If you go to the HubSpot pricing page, it is absolute chaos. 
Like it is, there is, you know, free tools, marketing, sales, customer service, CMS, operations, drop downs. And that's the product. So there's literally two tabs, products and plans and bundles. Under each of those is five more tabs. And under each of those is the like, there's three plans. And each of those plans has numbers that you can switch around and all these different things. And it's just like, this is the most overwhelming experience I've ever had looking at a pricing page. Now, granted, it's HubSpot and I'm not trying to bag on them at all. I'm Sometimes we assume like XYZ big companies doing it, so it must be working. What I can tell you being inside a lot of these companies, both as a, a consultant and working inside them, they don't know. They don't, they're, they're figuring it out every single day too. There's 30 people looking at this page, optimizing it, changing things. They have so much traffic, etc. My point is like, you look at like nutshells pricing and you look at some of those things and they've almost gone the other way. They've created a true like e-commerce experience. Where it's like, hey, you want the CRM? Cool. It's this or this. It's two options. Great. Did you want to, they have, then it's like, look at marketing. As you scroll down, oh, we also do like email marketing. And there's a little button that you can click like add on. And then you put in how many contacts and it shows you the price on the page. It feels like you're buying, you know, sweatshirts or something. And I'm like, oh, this is so great and so refreshing and so different in their blogs field. I know they're spoiler. I know there are some people on their marketing team and adore them. Um, but like it just, it all feels different. And that's the way if you're in a super competitive space, whether you're a new company, like you have to be different. I forget who said it like different is better than better. Um, that's the way it was Pam slim. I don't know. Somebody Daniel pink, somebody like that said it, but like you have to think about, that first when it comes to your SEO strategy versus just doing the copycat thing. Yeah, I like that. Um, we are running out of time and I have one last question for you uh, before we start wrapping things up. And that would be, what do you think the future holds for um, SaaS companies when it comes to content SEO? That's a great question. I actually think about this a lot. Um, so part of me is very cynical. And I'm a big believer that Google's end game is to own the internet where you don't ever have to leave Google. They have pages about everything. You stay on there to do all your shopping. You stay on there to do all of your research, all your learning, everything. Um, I'm pretty sure that's their end game at some point. They just have to keep right now. The internet does not trust them enough and still prefers to go look at other websites. But I do think that's their end game. So I, I think it could change quite a bit. Uh, I think the second piece is everybody says, talk to your customers. I really think talk to your customers is the future. Now there's two problems with that. Number one, um, a lot of marketing, you know, a lot of companies don't give people time to do that. They don't make it a part of their program. They expect marketers to go do it uh, or not, or they, they silo it. They're like, yeah, this is our like customer marketing team and they talk to customers. And it's like, no, they all, they all should. They all have to. Um, or that company, that team has to report out and make sure everybody knows these customer insights. That doesn't happen at a lot of companies. That's not a part of their program. They don't make time for it. That's problem one. Problem two to, to overcome that I do think is also the future is like, what do you, everybody's like, talk to your customers. You go on LinkedIn and you under LinkedIn search and you, you type in talk to your customers or talk to customers. Everybody's saying that. Cool. How? People don't know. Can I give you like the, the blueprint really quick that I use? And everybody can steal this, right? It's three pieces. 
and I said it earlier, but I was going really fast because I'm ex- I'm sorry I talk like a used car salesman too. I talk fast because I'm excited about this stuff. I love this. I live this. As somebody who lived, we talked about this at the beginning, I live two separate lives, teacher and marketer. My life has been aligned for a while and I'm so ex- like I love this. So um, I said it earlier, but in case you missed it, it's three pieces. Uh, it's jobs to be done questions. If you are wondering, uh, oh, I had the book right here earlier. Um, Romley John wrote a great book that you all here. In case people are watching on video, uh, this book, Product-Led Onboarding, I reference it constantly. It has wonderful questions in the back, in the index, is a whole bunch of questions that's meant to be used in onboarding, use it in marketing, just all the jobs to be done framework types of questions. Start there. Second tier, uh, talk to the people who talk to customers. They're going to ask different questions than you. That's that 3S strategy. Talk to your sales success and support team. Ask them the jobs to be done framework questions and see, they're going to be like, oh, I heard that because they're talking to thousands more customers than you, right? Um, And then the third piece is start sourcing like subject matter experts, right? Like talk to them as well. If you're not, if you're just a marketer at a company, find them out or figure out who they are at your company or who the sources of influence are. I love to use tools like SparkToro. It's one of my favorite. SparkToro is my favorite thing in the world right now. I think it is very much a piece of the future of SEO, like knowing who those sources of influence are. It's not just backlinks and content. It's, it feeds into everything we do. Um, find out who those sources of influence are, those subject matter experts, and start having conversations with them. Again, asking those same types of questions. Not just the jobs to be done, but the other kind of pieces. Uh, I love to ask, uh, what's something that's come up unprompted on three or more calls recently? Meaning not in a response to what you're saying, but they just you've heard it keep coming up out of nowhere. Um, and then the other piece is like, what is a question you wish you never got asked again? Everybody asks about this. And people will be like, oh, everybody asks about pricing. They want to know pricing cool, maybe it's, time, maybe it's time you put the pricing on the website, right? Or a minimum price. So things like that. Um, that's definitely where I would start. That's definitely what I think the future is. I think that's a great uh, framework and a great way to wrap things up. Um, last question would be uh, where people can find more uh, about you and get in touch. Absolutely. So two different ways. Uh, number one, you can go to growthsprints.co, growthsprints.co. That's my website. Uh, it's very Spartan for a reason. Uh, it tells you everything you need, nothing more. We don't have 10,000 tabs and all, a whole bunch of confusing navigation. Uh, it's how I prefer to view the web. So growthsprints.co is the best spot. And also if you're just like, hey, look, like some of the things you said today I agree with or I don't agree with, follow me on LinkedIn. That's where I share my best stuff. That's where I do all of my thinking and learning in public. Uh, I would love for more people to follow me on LinkedIn and just start having conversations with people. Um, you don't, I mean, the other thing, if you just Google, uh, this might be the, the most fun way to do that. My name is Brendan Hufford. You don't have to worry about how to spell it. If you just type in Brendan Hufford LinkedIn into Google, spell my name however you want. I have a very unique name. It'll take you there. So just Google Brendan Hufford LinkedIn um, and, and we'll be able to connect. That's great. Brendan, thank you very much for being on the SaaS So, Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for staying with us until the end. Before you go, I'd like to give a quick shout out to the sponsor for this episode, Ahrefs. Ahrefs provides you with an all-in-one SEO toolset that does everything from rank tracking to backlink analysis, keyword research, and technical audits. The best part, you can now use Ahrefs Webmaster Tools for free to identify and prioritize optimization opportunities for your website, see all the keywords that your web pages are ranking for, take a close look at the websites that link back to and refer you in their content, and 
analyze other websites to find out what drives their rankings. Visit ahrs.com AWT and sign up for free. Another episode of the SaaS SEO show has wrapped. We hope this episode has taught you something new too. We'd like you to connect with us so you can keep up with all the new content that we're creating. Before you go, it would mean the world to us if you could subscribe to this podcast and over at our YouTube channel, where we upload the video version of this and every episode. Until next time.